This podcast is sponsored by Sapient Global Markets. Mitigate risk and control the cost of regulatory trade and transaction reporting with Sapient CMRS. Let CMRS assume this heavy burden so you can focus on your core business. To find out more, please go to cmrs.sapient.com. Hello and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. So there's a lot of chatter around blockchain technology and how it could potentially address numerous regulatory and market challenges in the financial industry. And we've covered this potential in recent DerivSource podcasts. However, in today's podcast, we speak to Axel Pieron of Opimas, an author of the recently published report, Blockchain and Capital Markets, A Pipe Dream about how this new technology shouldn't be seen as a panacea. Specifically, we talk about the limitations of blockchain and why there may be existing technology in the industry that can solve some of the same problems in the same cost-effective way. Here is DerivSource reporter Lynn Strong and Dodds speaking to Axel Piron. Hi, this is Lynn Strong and Dodds from DerivSource talking with Axel Piron, Managing Director of Optimus. We're talking about the myths of blockchain. Thank you very much for joining us. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we begin? Hello, Lynn. Thank you very much for inviting me to this conversation. My name is Axel, as you mentioned. I'm the managing director of Optimus, looking at specifically the security services market. The first question we have is, why do you think there has been so much hype about blockchain? Well, I think the primary reason is that, especially in the capital market industry, there haven't been that many innovation in the past years. And to be frank, a lot of the investment made by a financial institution has been mostly to meet regulatory requirements and compliances, and actually very little innovation has been done in the industry. So I think there is that fresh air that is being brought by a blockchain. Secondly, I think also it promotes to revolutionize the financial infrastructure. And it is true that there are clear pockets on inefficiencies in the market in such, such things as you know, the level of investment required to conduct reconciliation in the post-trade side, for example. The issue of uh, settlement time, C plus two in many markets, the operational risk that exists. So uh, blockchain seems to be targeted at solving some of these solutions with drove of excitement in the industry, because it's really promising to move a complex infrastructure where you have many intermediaries and market participants into a much leaner and simpler infrastructure with less market participants and less processes. So I think that is why the market is being so excited by blockchain. And what are some of the myths that are not true? I've seen Esmond's come out with the paper actually looking at uh, blockchain and also investigating what is true and what is not true? Well, I think the first myth is that there are numerous initiatives out there which are falsely labeled as blockchain. Numerous of them are actually using pieces of the blockchain concept, such as a distributed ledger, for example. But blockchain is a very specific technology or infrastructure which requires proof of work to validate a transaction and broadcast transaction to the various nodes on a distributed ledger approach. So I think the first myth is that actually among the numerous initiatives that you will see labeled as blockchain, 
actually only a few of them are really using the core blockchain technology. The second myth I think which is very important is a lot of time you will hear that blockchain is a safer technology than what we use currently. And I think it's a myth that is being protected because there have been very little event around hacking blockchain infrastructure. But the reality that actually today we've heard that there have been a hacking of the Ethereum platform and I would say a very simple analysis which has always been true is that if you can build it, someone will break it. And that is true for blockchain as well. Yeah, I think numerous of the myths around blockchain is due to the fact that you will read a lot of the benefits that will be provided by blockchain, such as you know, moving to T plus zero, reducing reconciliation, etc. A lot of those benefits are actually benefits that will be driven by the fact that the ecosystem needs to reorganize its processes in order to use blockchain. And the benefits that are often given to blockchain are actually benefits that are driven by that reorganization, not by the technology itself. For example, when we talk about cheap for example, for settlement, this is something that could be done currently with the current infrastructure. However, if we were to move on the blockchain, we'll have to move to T plus zero. There is no other way of doing it. And that will require significant reorganization of the various market participants from the buy side to the sell side and the custodian. Well, actually, without blockchain, we could already move to T plus zero if we were to reorganize post rate processes. So mixing the benefit of the technology with the benefit of the necessary reorganization to use the technology is often a mistake at best that is being made by market participants. Finally, I think there is also a concept that you will often hear about when you read blockchain paper or discuss with blockchain innovators, the idea that blockchain in the blockchain environment, you can support smart contracts. And here again, I think it's really a misconception of what blockchain is. Of course, blockchain can use a smart contract. You can have smart contract on blockchain, especially with Ethereum, but they can be used elsewhere. I mean, a smart contract has existed in the past. It's already been there in the media industry, for example, for digital right management. Those are smart contracts as well. So I think the whole myth about blockchain is that it is very new when, in fact, it's an infrastructure and a database that allows multi-version concurrency control. But there is nothing so radical to it. I think what was very innovative implemented at the Bitcoin And looking at the report, your report, Blockchain and Capital Markets, a pipe dream, it predicts that blockchain will lead to greater transaction costs, create more complexity, and lead to potential losses and legal disputes. What are some of the drivers behind that? Well, if you look really at what blockchain is, as I mentioned earlier, I think it is a beautiful infrastructure because it removes numerous market participants and create a much leaner infrastructure where actually the event of the transaction and the event, which is a change of ownership, pretty much happen in the same environment as opposed to the current market infrastructure. So it is a much leaner infrastructure. But the complexity is still there. The complexity has moved from the infrastructure to the way transactions are being handled. And the proof of work, which is blockchain technology is actually highly complex because it requires solving a very complex algorithm and then broadcasting that to the rest of the market. So just to give you an example, actually a block is, takes an average of 10 minutes to be validated on the Bitcoin network. And during those 10 minutes, you have many servers, which are called minor in, in that environment, 
which are actually trying to solve that uh, complex algo. And so therefore, the complexity is there. So we are not removing the complexity. It's just moving from one part to another. So I think in terms of the complexity, it's still, it's still definitely embedded into, into the environment. Certainly, when it comes to potential losses and, and legal dispute, I think there is a very important element, which is part of the blockchain network, and which is often uh, misinterpreted as a benefit of blockchain, which is the irreversibility of rights. And the fact that once a transaction has been recorded into blockchain environment, it, there is no way anyone can change it. Well, actually, that is, in my opinion, a major barrier to the implementation of blockchain in capital market, because if there is a fat finger mistake, or if anyone makes a mistake, in the market, there is no way to come back to it. There will need to be a negotiation between the two counterparties to actually do not erase the transaction, but do a counter transaction to solve that issue. And that is, I think, one of the major challenges with blockchain. The reality is that it is much easier to create a database which irreversibility of rights rather than creating the database that we have today, which allows to make change in rights. And that is much more complex to build but we build those databases that can be changed for purpose. And moving to database with irreversibility of rights, I think will lead to major headache and nightmare within the industry. And looking at the report again, it calculates that if the French and German cash equity market move to blockchain, the infrastructure cost of the industry to process, say, last year's volumes of transactions would have been 1 billion euros and 600 million euros, respectively, more. How do you reach these estimates? Well, first of all, I think it's important to say it's a ballpark figure. The way we've evaluated this increase of infrastructure cost was based on, first of all, the cost to process a transaction on the Euronext market or on the Deutsche Börse market, looking at not only the execution cost, but also the clearing and settlement cost. And we've compared that with actually the cost of processing a transaction on the Bitcoin network which is actually currently the best proxy that is available to evaluating the cost of processing transaction. So some people may argue that in this evaluation, we haven't taken care of all the costs which will be related to having a cell site provider and a custodians and the reconciliation cost. And that is very true. We haven't taken care of that. It's not part of our calculation. However, when we come up with a result that represents an increase of 1 billion USD of spending for just the French market, the reconciliation cost and even the custodian cost would be dwarf compared to that number. So I think it is not the best or the most precise uh, comparison, but it's good enough to give an idea of the magnitude of a cost increase that would be driven if a technology like Bitcoin, which is a technology that currently doesn't really scale, will be rolled out to a market which is highly standardized, where we have a high volume and velocity of transactions. You already mentioned that there is technology in existence that can be effectively used instead of blockchain, what blockchain mm. is targeted for. I would mm. wonder if you can give me a little bit more detail on that. As we were discussing before, a lot of the benefits that are being driven by, by blockchain are actually driven by a reorganization that would be necessary to use blockchain. Now, the question is, what are we trying to solve with blockchain? And one of the major challenges here is we've started with the technology which is blockchain, and we've looked at what can it solve. So we haven't started with the problem we were trying to solve. We started with the solution. And because of that, it is sometimes difficult to really assess what technology could replace blockchain. 
But I will give you an example. Uh, Any time when I have discussion with promoter of the blockchain technology, they will mention the fact that with blockchain and the distributed ledger environment, there will be no need of reconciliation anymore because there will be one single version of the truth that will be available to anyone. And while I clearly see the benefit of a single version of the truth, I can give you a good example of one single version of the truth, which is an exchange. On an exchange, which is a centralized model, you have one version of the truth of the transactions that are being executed and everyone can liberate that information. So I think that that is one of the examples. When it comes to, for example, operating on a distributed ledger, if the idea that we need a distributed ledger environment because it is censorship resistant, for example, there are other technologies that will help you ensure multi-version concurrency control, which are actually more efficient and less expensive than blockchain. So again, the question for me is, what are we trying to solve? And then we should compare blockchain with available technology that already exists that could also solve that challenges. And I think this is a little bit of the issue I have currently with blockchain is that because it's promising to solve that so many issues, there is not one technology that can compete against that. But the reality is, is I think, much more nuanced than that. And we should be looking at each problem separately and see if there is a better solution to solve the problem than, than blockchain. And finally, against that background, is there any technology today that you think blockchain can be used for? Well, yes, I think there are many opportunities I think that need to be unraveled for uh, blockchain applicability. And potentially, outside of the financial services, there are certainly, I think, a potential opportunity for blockchain. And within the financial services, I think we have to come back to the source of blockchain and how it emerged. And it really emerged as an infrastructure to support the emergence of a new digital currency, which was the Bitcoin. Hence, the payment seems like a good place to start. And looking at payments, I will look at markets where we have a difficulty reorganizing the market with numerous market participants. So something like trade finance, for example, could be very interesting because you have not only the financial institution participating to it, but the logistician as well, the verifying parties and the importer and exporter. So you could imagine having all these parties having access to a, a blockchain kind of environment for trade finance. If we are looking specifically more in capital market, I think we should be looking at asset classes that we haven't been able to serve efficiently and economically with traditional means until now. And so, for example, the SME debt market, which is really in its infancy and highly illiquid, could be a good place to start. The carbon emission markets, which has been a major failure, could have certainly benefited from an environment like blockchain. So I would, instead of focusing on equities, or highly liquid instruments that are very much standardized where already the market participants have industrialized or processes so much that the marginal costs are actually quite limited. We should be focusing on market and asset classes that we haven't been able to serve in an optimal manner until now. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been very insightful. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you to Axel Piron of Opimas for sharing his insight with us in this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about this topic, please see our other podcasts as we've recorded a few interviews on blockchain in the last few months. And details of that podcast and of the Opimus report can be found in the podcast show notes page available on DerivSource.com. Thank you for listening. Join us next time. <music>